Hello and welcome to the Comedians Alley podcast. I'm Luke Anthony and for this episode I'm joined by award-winning Richard Todd. Well, award-winning comedian Richard Todd, who was born in a small town in the northeast, cheated to get his degree, spent many years leeching off the state and is now a professional comedian. Firstly, Richard, what do you have to say for yourself? I, um, I, I, did you research that? Because that is true, a lot of it. Yeah, that is that. I can tell. Initially, I thought these are introductory jokes, uh, um, but then I started to think, actually, no, that's, well, I did do that. If you want to get a bit of background to why I did it like this, was because if I asked you the same question, yeah. all these questions, then I'm just basically copying in another I did leech off the state for a while. It, wasn't a, it was against my will. I was, um, I, I was trying to get a job, but they seemed to... The, the job centre seemed to think I was, um, like, seemed to excuse me from it because they decided my personality was unemployable in spite <laughs> of my willingness um, and set, described me as someone who would just float around through life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I've, um, you, you corrected yourself to say award, you said award-winning Richard Todd, but then said award-winning comedian, but I, d- I have one. Did win other awards? So. Did you? Yeah, I didn't one, do enough research. Clearly, won one for uh, poster design. Uh, post my poster design for my. You're um, a brilliant um, illustrator, aren't you? And yeah. then this year, I won. I didn't. It's not really an award, but I got. Um, it's quite funny. Um, I get the big issue. Did uh, um, top fifty change makers um, <laughs> to keep an eye out because I work with homeless people, and uh, I, I was within. I was in the top fifty change makers. It's quite strange because I wasn't entirely sure. Um, I mean, it was nice, but I was thinking, I don't if if I, I didn't want any of the people I work with to see the magazine because I thought, God, there'll be protests galore at the big issue office. <laughs> What's this guy ever done? He's done nothing for us, <laughs> and you're giving him a certificate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, awards not really awards galore. I've also got bronze run, running certificates. So yeah. Well, good comeback. <laughs> Not bad. I, I would I would usually call that deflecting, but um, genuinely, genuinely good comeback on that. Um, so you work with homeless people. Uh, did you not have an issue when you initially worked with them that they mistook you for one of them? Yeah, but that was true. Um, and but it was kind of nice. I thought it helped me. Um, Help me get um, create a sense of community initially. Yeah, but then I started to think. Was um, it was it like research? Um, my problem is I am so um, uh, my empathy levels uh, are not great. So um, I turn up there and just uh, whilst you're meant to kind of tr- um, nurture, you them. know, yeah, like get talk to them and um, I just meet them. Um, with my own problems so I just go in and say oh god it's been a terrible weekend the bloody electricity's been like yeah, the wifi went down and I've just been out without it all week and then I partly moved thinking Jesus what are you on about but part of me thought um, I think they get on with me because I get on quite well with them because um, I look as tortured even though uh, as, every, as everyone else in the room which is where the blur became at the start they're not all homeless the people I work with some of them are in support housing and things yeah, so yeah. Like so, I'm not that callous for talking about my Wi-Fi connection going down. No. You know, but for for once in their lives, they've they've looked at you and thought, "Fucking hell, this guy's got a worse life than me." They've looked I'm, at me and thought, um, "Could be, be worse." Ca- be careful what you wish for. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the cure for everything. Yeah, a job <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So you're from a small town um, up in uh, no. northeast. Yeah, um, it's called uh, Seam. See him, see him, yeah. yeah. Um, it's nothing much there. It's just um, it was a more like a coal mining town. Yeah, coal mining town. I used to play in the colliery. You know, when the pits closed, just climbing mountains of coal, and um, <laughs> it's weird. Like you wouldn't get it these days, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're all closed I, down. Yeah, <laughs> but I had a great time just playing amongst all the kind of I don't even know what the buildings were they're just mountains of coal and then they started building houses on top of all where all like the mines once were and um and I had a great time just playing um amongst the halfly constructed houses you know um on the building sites and that just but we used to run around it's strange what you used to do as a kid we used to each me and all my friends would gather up a collection of rock um, stones mm. and then we'd just play um, 
we just hunt each other down in the um in the housing estate just throwing rocks at each other yeah whilst um the the drain pipes and windows shattered around us but it's just i found it so strange that we in reflection that we were just throwing rocks at each other when 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 richard was a kid um board games hadn't made it to see him just yet at that point so they had to I, throw uh, rocks I, at each other i love board games yeah I, yeah i accept game of life because i didn't want to get married and i had some <laughs> problem at the point where you had to get married and threw, oh yeah threw the board in the air and stormed out the room saying you can't make me do it um not, so I'm imagine not, what it's like in in real life if you're part if you don't want to have an arranged marriage you know yeah. says i was up in arms against it in game of life so you got but, annoyed with it yeah i took tantrums i had tantrums all the time um, game of life yeah, yeah. Or anything um little uh, um about my mum bought me some um it's not even an interesting story <laughs> what so why am i going to tell it um, He's a comedian. It's his platform. No, I'm not going to tell it. But I did have. To, I did smash a lot of toys. Um, I had. A, I wasn't. I was. I just had quite aggressive tantrums throughout yeah. my childhood. Yeah, and that's interesting because when you went to university originally or went to college, you did. You threw. You destroyed all your artwork, didn't you? Before. Yeah, I. Um, I. Yeah, I did. I was. But I think I was genuinely having a mental breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, oh. I just would troll around, tri- like scouts, just lurk in my in the area where I was doing. Sc- I did sculpture. I made lots of kind of figures out of found objects and things, but. I also couldn't stand them. I thought they were all crap. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just smashed... Much like contemporary art, then. The, uh, well, the thing is, I th- in hindsight now, I actually think they, I quite like what I was doing, but um, I just prowl my sculpture area with the limb of a previously destroyed sculpture, and then I'd say to someone, what What do you think of that one? And they'd say, yeah, it's, it's all right. It needs a bit of work. And by the, as soon as they said it needs a bit of work, yeah. I was just beating yeah. it across... Yeah, to beating it. It was quite funny because it had. It reminded me of like the things like Jason and the Argonauts, where they get to the Hydra's den, and there's just the bones of all the previous people who've tried to get the Golden Fleece, and that's what my sculpture area looked like. It just had the limbs of all these old sculptures, hmm. probably more like Medusa's lair, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, with all the. But then again, if it, but then again, if it was contemporary art, after smashing it up, you would have taken a picture, put it up on a in a gallery and that would have sold I actually think if I'd filmed myself um, and then <laughs> create a stop motion video of my rage yeah. um, and uh, the erection and destruction of my It'd sculptures tape, it would it? have been it could have been quite interesting yeah I, I, um, yeah <laughs> I don't know uh, yeah now nah, I, but I wasn't I wasn't in a good place to, I mean I I don't know what happened to me I was uh, I was quite blissfully um, like when I went first went to do graphic design at college I just wanted to be an illustrator and for the first year I was really dedicated and then yeah. I don't know what happened. I just basically, I suddenly started to rebel, but I don't even know what I was rebelling against, you know, when, um, <laughs> like, I, and now I reflect on all the people saying like, you know, why don't you just do knuckle down and do the, do your work properly, Richard. Um, you just ruin, you know, when people say, you're just ruining your. You're just ruining your life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, when you're young, because you got so, you think you're infallible, and you're like, yeah, you're only saying I'm ruining my life because you're jealous. Um, <laughs> but then you get to a certain point and think, like, oh, I did. Ru- I did. I probably was ruining my life. Yeah, they weren't actually jealous after all. It's so easy to think that adults are kind of somehow envious of uh, <laughs> the infinite possibilities. Yeah, and the infinite possibilities that are available to you. But then, but they're they're not ultimately. I don't think. I think they're just genuinely um, trying to offer some kind of guide guidance. They're trying to help you, Richard. Jesus they are. Christ. I think most teach. I think it's easy to perceive teachers like that. Uh, you know, because they say those who can't teach as people who've um, mm. lost all. But I think some teachers are actually people who really want to teach and help and um, and just have to listen to and probably just get really frustrated yeah. as they watch. I mean, we've seen Dead Port Society, but we can't have we all can't have a Robin Williams in our life just guiding us to greatness. No, I know, yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Or Suicide film. is um, yeah. I can't remember. I've actually never seen either of those films. Okay, um, so but you, the know, fact you that know he's quite. Fact wise. That I prefaced it with we've all seen <laughs> Dead Port Society uh, amuses me. Since I, in my head I thought, well, that 
I haven't, but everyone else might have. Which just puts me at a disadvantage because I'm going to try and talk about something I know nothing about. There's no <laughs> worries. But, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, to, yeah, I should have just been an illustrator. Ultimately, I just should. I reflect now and think I should have just been an illustrator. Yeah. Well, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I thought famous comedians always wanted to be comedians. Like, it was just what they always dreamt of doing. Um Comedy wasn't your first love. I know you spoke about illustration and everything. What what was? What was your first love? Was it illustration? Or? Yeah, I used to like drawing as a kid. I just wanted to be an artist. Um, I now reflect that I probably, if I put as much effort into drawing as I put into c- comedy, I probably could have been... Even better. Yeah, I probably mm. was, I'm probably more innately... I'm uh, probably more innately talented at drawing um, yeah. than I am at, you know... I mean, I'm not innately talented at performing. My ability to perform, or else I would have... Um, De- developed some kind of microphone technique other than a kind of defiant, yeah, uh, just nonchalant wafting of the microphone around my head area. The, um, the, yeah, so I mean, and I never, li- like I said, I never listen back or to my recordings or um, to horn or kind of perfect my performance, partly because I bloody, um, I hate I hear it once I watch, so I hate acts where, I, where everything is so measured. I I mean, I can appreciate them, but yeah. I, I don't enjoy watching. You mean like one line is they're just delivered oh, by any, the line? Yeah, or yeah. storytellers that yeah. where the beats have all been measured meticulously, right, okay. and you can almost feel that they don't even need to be like they are present. I mean, they don't have to be present in the performance. They are because I'd prefer to watch someone that's not that. Um, you know, rehearsed so that yeah. they, you know, they kind because of, they look alive to the room and mm. and sometimes it goes badly wrong, but at the same time there's something thrilling about which whether it's going to go right or wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess that you get that a lot in comedy clubs anyway. Like in there's there's a big difference between arenas and or big yeah, sort of theatres yeah. and someone who's done ten thousand gigs then. Um, and with their audience, they're going to see purely to see them and their comedy, and they can't actually do anything wrong. So you just need to be rehearsed, and they need to. Yeah, know yeah, and I think it's also because for for some promoters to want to, because I think often I, I do all right in clubs, but I often think there's a, a notion that um, that there's a risk because it's not as um, accessible. Is it oh no, because no, I think sometimes they look at me because I'm not quite. I don't have the same beats as some oh, performers okay. that like that. They're succeeding in spite of okay. the a kind of shambolic nature of it. Um, yeah, but, but so I kind of sometimes think people look at me and think, oh, it's, it's, a ri- yeah, it's worth guess. this time, but it's a risk. Yeah. Whereas I think if a more measured performance, even if it doesn't get massive, like. Um, response from the audience it's easy for a promoter to say I know what this is I know how to you know I know how to market it and I, uh, I yeah, can know okay. where I can place it um, but then again to the audience it just looks like that that's your act I mean if you were to I don't know I don't know how different your sets would be if you watched them back to back on a different you know the same performance but different yeah. different gigs but to me when, when I saw you perform it just I you look like you're completely in control of it, but in a in a frantic way. So you you it it looks to me as a as a an audience. I know I do comedy myself, but as a as an audience member at the time, it came across to me that you knew exactly what you you were doing, completely in control of this, and this was your act. That's funny because when you saw me, um, it was such it was a bit of a weird gig, and um, yeah, I, part gig. of me was thinking. Um, <laughs> I mean, I felt in control of myself. I didn't feel so much in control of the audience because it was so um, deep. Um, it's a strange room. It's multi-tiered yeah. and so deep. It's so like deep, long yeah. and um, sometimes you can be a victim of poor placement. You know, so I, yeah, sometimes you just know. As I was waiting to go on that night, I was like, I'm not ready to go. I do not understand this room yet. Yeah, um, and I guess I guess when you've heard, it's always awkward when you hear like an MC warming up an audience, and if if you don't feel that you're going into a place that's completely warm to what you're going to do. Yeah. That, but, if, um, but if Maisie had gone first and did her set, then maybe a middle spot for you would have been yeah, more suitable. Yeah, it's oh. kind of intriguing. Though. But oh. then sometimes you go, like, it's hard to know, isn't it? That, um, but then you, there's no reason for you to come away from that and do anything different. Because... No, no. I mean, like, I, the, the, when I first started, like, I... 
I found that, yeah, I was much worse at just accepting, you know, um, accepting an awkward gig and yeah. just saying and like thinking, right, that's need to rewrite that's everything. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't brilliant, but it's like you did, you did, you did your stuff as well as you could have, and, yeah. and, and given circumstances you're in, and yeah, there's so many circumstances, you know, mm. your own bloody mental state. Sometimes you just mm. think, right, that was the best performance I could do, considering the mood, the day I've had today. <laughs> the um, yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, so I just kind of, but before I would always, you know, want to have it would crush me if I just like that kind of gig would have crushed me but when you were um, when I start now yeah Yeah. but now I am fairly blase with it you know (laughs) I mean yes I guess you accumulate enough good ones to know that there's (laughs) um, that these have a kind of um, like a tally chart on either side yeah Yeah. so you kind of think right I've got more in favour than against Mm. so I must be doing something vaguely right that um, and plus when I started my set was so um so surreal that like because um we, you, we were mentioning that yeah because when i first started like i it was surreal stories that i tried to just because i wanted to be a, a writer so and um so i wrote kind of den i wrote i wanted to write prose so a lot of the things i wrote were kind of derived from prose i was trying to write and mm. so they they had jokes but they were also so you know, like this story, I wrote a story about a boy with a spatula for a head. I thought, it, <laughs> I, see, I thought it was quite, I don't see why it wasn't relatable because I <laughs> essentially thought, oh, all you've got to do is make the initial leap to accepting he's got a spatula for a head. And then it is fairly logical, yeah. the, the what the kind of consequences that happen from there, there on. So how did you lead into that? Did you did you make a comment on your own appearance and then say? No, I had that this line. That it was a good line. I think um, I said my dad. My dad used to say, "Kids stay." Oh, my dad used to say. My mum used to say, "Kids stay away from the iron is hot." But my dad used to say, "Strike while iron is hot." The conflicting catchphrases befuddled my brother and before he could separate. The metaphor from the Morphy Richards he'd brought hundred degrees centigrade of smouldering iron down on his little head. Um, flat. Oh, okay. Blah blah blah. Um, anyway, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> it's, been it's been a while. But um, but they're not fair on in. It was just I thought um, fairly. I, you know, like people say, observe like observational. I think most comedy is observational, even if you've kind of because once from that point on, it was yeah. just observations about what would happen to a child. With it is essentially just observations on what would happen yeah. Uh, yeah. on the life of a child with a spatula for a head. You know where he'd go, how could it, he could exist? What what, what might it happen? It probably did really well in Edinburgh. That's um, it, it won me the award, an award, but um, <laughs> but then the problem is, then you're playing like clubs, like yeah, and and that's like and um, it, it's, it's a bit of a leap to. It's hard to get get an audience in a club to get on board with that sort of thing. Yeah, like um, I was like from when I was doing trying that, that like when I first, but the problem was I won an award quite quick. You achieved so much in so little time. Yeah, I had quite a good start, you know, just, um, I mean, I was just, yeah, I won a couple of, won one award and came So you won second, that award with uh, that set you're talking about with the... Yeah. yeah, but the problem is that the set was so weird. And also the problem is you win this award, like just doing five minutes of material yeah. and then suddenly you get boot. And then I got an agent, but she started booking me in to do 20 minute spots, but I only had five minutes of material. Like you can yeah. win an award with five minutes. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get put into places that you're not really ready for. So um, eventually, yeah. So I kind of was just having horrible gigs, like, cause I was suddenly like, it's kind of unfair on the actor in a way. And I guess clubs and the audiences. But, um, I mean, it's just no win, no winner. But especially when you've kind of done well off quite an obscure act, yeah, like obscure yeah. kind of like as some acts win will get succeed with something that's incredibly relatable mm. and they'll flourish more. But I kind and of and they be to do their same stuff forever. Yeah, for but yeah, because yeah. uh, they're, they're winning something with a kind of club ready set. But my yeah. my set was not for clubs, and yeah. um, but I was getting booked into clubs, 
And then it was like every, everyone's shrugging and saying, "What the fuck's that?" And I'm like, "Is that that's fucking what you book?" I don't. I, I, like, I can't. That's, did no one research this? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I don't blame the club audiences because I like if I because I when I'm at home if I, if I was listening to music I like listening to stuff like Nick Cave and you know like yeah, yeah. Len and but if I was out on a Saturday night at club, I don't want to hear that music playing. No. I mean, I prefer to have some ridiculous, cheesy um, rock playing, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Bon Jovi or Guns N' Roses or something, because so, you don't want that. So I kind of thought I can appreciate that no one wants to hear this on Saturday night because it's bizarre and um, <laughs> you just want to let go and have a drink and kind of have an easy yeah time. yeah easy easy comedy yeah, yeah or more easy like just get into <laughs> get into the beats yeah yeah the beats have set up punchline and um not some moron trying to bloody <laughs> wafting a microphone in front of his face and so did that spark a, like a like a rethink at that point did you have a little yeah. break from those big clubs and yeah i stopped doing them and um just because it was destroying my confidence and um because you're dying on a regular basis yeah like like, even if it went well i was aware that it was like it was just you felt like you'd go away with it rather than you were in control of it like um so i just kind of started to change my approach and just start to kind of try to i thought that i could kick keep the surreal aspects but um they had to be filtered through mm. like a relatable like a relatable subject so that but i could talk about that relatable subject in a kind of slightly with a tan an unusual tangent you yeah, know? yeah exactly. so like the descriptions i'd apply um mm. it's like because uh, i had this thing about slugs being um you know, being ho- homeless snails and how I'd go and gather seashells and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but the problem was, the thing was, when I used to say it in clubs as a, a fact, a matter of fact, everyone would look at me uh, in a kind of, that's ridiculous, mate. That's nonsense. But then when I started to say, I used to believe that then everyone, more people got on board because it was like, I wasn't saying this as a fact. I was saying, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. how idiotic was I? I used to think this. Again, and then so everyone's like, again. yeah, and everyone's, all the people could enjoy it because they're like, yay, that was stupid. Why did you think that? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, what's a strange child you were. But so, yeah. So you, you had, you actually had to almost become something that you initially didn't want to do. So you, you had to conform to the kind of, inward looking self-deprecating yeah although i did go through a spell of just though this is why i stopped doing ultimately stopped doing clubs for a while was because i was all i started getting so fed up with that like struggling or dying um that i started trying to write just specifically for them which just yeah. didn't work at all which and is which just, just it's not not what creativity is about and, yeah and if you call comedy uh an art form that's not that's not really filling that well i was just creating trying to create some kind of i mean it's it's like anything yeah if you if that's not what you do it sounds hollow and i was just Mm. trying to figure out how to do kind of um more broader job i mean to be honest i still do do some broad like i mean there's like i'm just not like i'm just like i talk about wanking i talk about um you know normal stuff yeah yeah, but i just talk try once i've set it up i start i see how much i can skew it slightly from the regular path that um one of the things that i uh, i you know from meeting lots of comedians you go to clubs you you meet so many different comedians and stuff and a lot of them aren't naturally funny um you are interesting isn't it yeah but you are you've got this energy about you that radiates and it just is amusing like when i first met you i just um, I just knew you were going to be funny, like, uh, and and I know you you didn't you didn't feel like you did a good job on that gig, but I still mm. us at the back, us comedians, were appreciating every bit of what you did. Uh, yeah, um, um, but unfortunately, we're so far back, you probably couldn't. Uh, it was a deep club, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's one of those those where you, classic ones where if you laugh too loudly, you, you you're now the odd one out for laughing. I know, know? yeah. <laughs> I I remember early on doing a gig where. I was dying and this one guy kept laughing yeah. and I, I I was like really early on and I just turned to him and said what is wrong with you mate and uh, yeah. I got a good laugh though oh no and it was uncomfortable because I thought uh, in my head I thought god he's the only one doing what you want anyone to, to yeah what yeah. you want the audience to do and now you have shouted at him for doing that so it's just like <laughs> and he right. hasn't even heckled you yeah um well he was doing his yeah laughing. yeah just enjoying it and i thought god god stop doing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You'll hate me like everyone else. I want, um, yeah, I want consistency in this room, if nothing else. Okay, yeah. I came here for silence. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so one of the things I, I love about the way you do yours is, like, you, you've mentioned, you touched on it quite a lot already, but um, you make your stuff so, like, relatable, but deliver it in such an abstract way, which obviously sets you aside than, um, from other, other comics. Um, how do you go about, like, constructing your material? Um... I I don't know like so much starts and like sometimes I just write a description or a sim. I'm quite fond of similes. Um, oh really? Uh, so I just I write, guess it helps uh, with the beats. Yeah, yeah, I just write write a description of something that I find that you know like. Uh, something that interests me like so I, so was, uh, I have a bit on baths and I just wrote a description of what I thought uh, you know. Uh, an idea of what I see how I an interesting description of a bath and then mm. if that amuses me I start writing around it um, okay. and the same with the, so would that work like, in like a spider diagram sort of thing and brainstorm or I write really like prose I just basically keep like I mean I write everything out just like I don't I rarely construct anything just by writing some bullet points and going oh, okay. on stage and riffing around it like oh okay anything that I've built from riffing is usually um the bits that build begin with some self-deprecation where yeah. I, and that's usually born out of something failing on stage so or something happening in the audience yeah, so or, yeah. I, I i'll denigrate myself and then something will spiral from that um they're always kind of useful bits to have in a session because because they can get the room back when you're kind yeah. of um but they tend to emerge on stage, you know. I don't sit in the house thinking, right, let's imagine a gig's going bad. Let's yeah. right, yeah, you might as well just wait for them to go bad and let it happen yeah. as it yeah. yeah. But um, the the bits the, the bits I enjoy doing are just born out of me trying to write prose and then um I start to find the jokes later on. I mean okay. I I'll, I'll often at the new material night like, just like uh, just go on with descriptions and think, right? Um People seem to be interested in descriptions, but maybe to find a joke. Although sometimes, yeah, yeah, you'll do a description and they'll get the weirdest laugh if you put the put the right word in, like the right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love yeah. looking through like into thesaurus to try and find like a, different a, words. Yeah, yeah, just the one that yeah, throws yeah. everyone slightly off, yeah. like a slightly offbeat word that yeah. kind of everyone can can relate to. I really like onomatopoeic type words mm-hmm. that kind of conjure, you know, a kind of more visceral sense or like yeah because they're usually quite ridiculous or or making or or, yeah or dealing with like a simple concept but in a slightly more eloquent way so yeah it's just kind of the interesting thing is because this is all like another thing i found quite early was um because when you start, you're so like you write so much, but you edit meticulously because yeah, yeah. you're terrified because you've only got five minutes often, and you're terrified. And the only thing that reason you know something's working because because you've got the laugh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you don't. Uh, so if you're not getting the laughs, you're thinking that's not so. Like you're changing. Niche, so changing, your yeah. early fives are often really just really laden with gags, mm. and then as you try to be. I, um, I used to think as I, I used to think I was getting more expansive and like mm. kind of telling, but then I just ran and thought, no, you're not. You're just not editing it anymore. You're kind of pretending you've written this more. Like, oh, it's not getting laughs, but it's more a journey. It's more a story. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, yeah. no, it's not. It's just baggy as hell and not got and yeah. the punchlines. I yeah. just need it needs to be edited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, but you get away with it because as you get like as you going as you've been going longer, you get more confidence on st- mm. stage, so you can say so you can get away with telling less jokes. You can kind of yeah, get yeah, away yeah. with the slack, like the slackness of the material because mm. you're kind of confident on stage, so you can usually derive laughs. You get more accomplished at getting laughs from nothing. Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, when I you're mean, starting out, yeah. you need the material to. You can't mm. get. You need the material to get the laughs. So you yeah. really work on it. And it took me a while to think, Richard, um, this is not um, this great 10-minute anecdote. It is just a really bad and badly edited set, yeah. which really, if you honed it down, is probably about two minutes long. Although I do find that crushing when you think... God, yeah, I've just got a 10-minute set, yeah, and now it's only two minutes Yeah, long. and then you kind yeah. of think, let's just take out the bits that aren't funny. Mm. And you think, right, that is very... <laughs> but then, uh, then again, in some... In some ways, and I think it's particularly true of your 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 um your material and just like your whole persona and your performance is that is that I think it is that rambling aspect of what you do that makes you so funny. I I just think that when you 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 look like you're going off on a massive tangent. 
but then you bring it back to like the Henry Hoover and it just you everyone's back in the room everyone's back where you were but you you have to take them away yeah because it is part of that I look like I'm an, I'm just some frantic twat on stage but actually it is all... interesting yeah I do um, like I I kind of like I, in my Edinburgh show last year I quite enjoyed the um because I wanted to write about this obsession about crisp and every now Crisps. and then, yeah about this crisp that I find but every now and then I go off into a like a different st- seemingly start be telling a different story like enough in a tangent yeah yeah but the story itself would only be like after about 15 minutes it would be clear that I'd only told this this the purpose of the story was just to kind of emphasize my obsession with the crisp but um <laughs> but every time it was quite i quite enjoyed that show but um, i don't know lady die and it was quite well received so <laughs> i don't know why i'm lady dying but, um like i said it just it i enjoyed the show but um it got me a lot of death so oh, um yeah i say it's sad that um that you know you're not you're not going to edinburgh this year but it's sad that 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 place just like it's an amazing venue it's an amazing it's an amazing festival it's an amazing mm. prospect and you see some of the best comedy that you're going to see around the country in one place but it is a real I've just there's a guy that I know I'm not going to name drop him but he's just had an issue with his accommodation and yeah, he's just been done out of a lot of money yeah um, that um, last year we we were trying I was trying to find accommodation yeah there's so many places that look so dodgy and yeah, it's hard, and it, because it's hard, you can't really afford to travel all the way up there just to no. make sure that things are. And if you go through agencies, it's so bloody expensive. And yeah, yeah. Like I, I always tend to take a punt on some random person that I think surely this can't be true. That um, and yeah, I said that. Yeah, I, I, but I did find some weird, weird houses that what did turn out to be. I mean, t- I've been quite lucky in finding accommodation in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. In terms of just finding like a room for like a flat for five hundred a month. Yeah, which is amazing. But um, although last year, how early do you have to book that though to get such a good? No, place? I, I, I see. I have it. my habit is um, I will leave it till the last minute yeah. and wait until someone's desperately saying I've got a flat. Um, oh yes, of course. But yeah. it backfired more last year because no one was desperately saying I've got yeah. a flat. Um, so it, well, I, worst I, case scenario, you can possibly camp. Not yeah, far I, out I ended of up staying in a. Um, uh, what's it? Yeah, what's uh, what's that thing called? Uh, Airbnb with a oh, yeah. couple, but I hate it. I hate, I hate just hanging around someone. I, you can't. You don't ju- know, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's a com- yeah, and there is they try they were trying to be accommodating and like they were nice. Just leave but me you, alone. But you do deep down feel like that. I mean, they want the money. They're, they're not too a couple that are hungry for friends. Just no, saying, God, no, no. I do it for the friendship first and foremost. Um, the money is the money is a bonus, but um, yeah, I just want to meet these people. Yeah, except on um, when you read about them in the the reviews, there's all that's where all the consideration is. Like yeah, yeah, a yeah. lovely couple who are so interested to get to know you and that. But what I found was. A lovely couple who really enjoyed my money. They are, yeah, <laughs> and made sure it was paid promptly. They are, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, later. Um, sorry, distraction. No, that's fine. That's no, good. Uh, yeah. So Edinburgh, like, is a money pit, but it's it's a necessary evil, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Some, Although it's, it's uh, the holy grail of of like performances and again. Well, the, the most thing I, you get, it's good to get the reviews and kind of incrementally build mm. your. They get on chortle and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. So yeah, it is nice to kind of get in, kind of incrementally build your reputation. But they're kind of like the. Like after last year, I was in so much debt that the kind of ridiculous thing was I kind of thought came back thinking right, um, because I got really nice reviews, so I was like that's good. Um, but then I was so in debt that I thought I can't afford to do it next year, and then you just kind of feel like oh god, any all that, all that momentum I got, yeah, from doing yeah, it. yeah. suddenly because then I also had to take extra like get extra work to pay off the debts and suddenly you think oh shit oh shit I thought I was going to be committing more time to comedy after this but the debts mean I'm committing less time to comedy and feel the momentum's kind of dwindling and yeah, yeah. yeah so it's kind of yeah two, it's polar it's all polar abdul two steps forward one step back yeah 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 um, but 
Yeah, and you kind of, again, because it's such a fast-moving industry and so many people, you do kind of think, so, you, you do worry that Someone's you can... going to overtake you Yeah, or just year. you'll be yeah. buried amongst, yeah, underneath the next... Because so many waves, next wave, so many new waves coming out and just fl- mm. fluttering down. That, um, yeah, so you do think you'll get bypassed by someone <laughs> younger with, um, with um, brighter, a uh, glint in their eye. Yeah, but I just look at them and think, yeah, yeah, you wait, you find, yeah, that glint will, that glint will fade. Some, yeah, and then I find them. Just, on t- just do Edinburgh a couple of years, and yeah, yeah. Then I see them on a panel show and think, oh wow, I misjudged that terribly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sold the soul, mate. Sold the soul. They go I don't there. Know. Yeah, I never know what to think about panel shows. All of us would go. Uh, look, this is the thing. I know people that have um, people that you know complained about like Joel Domit doing reality TV and then yeah. and then sold a for, sold a gig after it. But to be honest with you, if we got offered a ton of money or a, a free tour, we would go on tour and yeah. we would take the opportunity. But, um, um, I know. I was thinking that the other day when I was seeing the people who. Uh, thinking would I do Britain's Got Talent like, and I thank god I, 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 I actually do think I wouldn't because I probably could if I want but um, I mean I certainly could apply but at the same time I look at the people who benefit you look mm. at the people who and it, it pays off I mean um, so if you do it you can't there is and in fairness in terms of Britain's Got Talent at least it's a way to kind of um, it seems at least a way to for acts that maybe would get um, overlooked by the industry to yeah. kind of get, yeah that's true yeah uh, god I can't believe I'm sing I don't want to end sing extolling the virtues of Britain's Got Talent yeah <laughs> if you see <laughs> if you see Richard on on Talented Britain's Got dogs. Talent next year then then you know it's because he's desperate and needs a bit this of money is just, this is just uh, I'm not just using this to um, lay the foundations to yeah. my Britain's Got Talent application would you like would you like me to give you a cut of this but, little bit um, of recording just to send to them maybe it's like you know, god yeah please don't yeah me, uh, um, this is Simon Carl. I think. Are you interested in um? Yeah, the, uh, selling your soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, the the thing is, um, I, I guess it's it's a fairly honest way to do. It, it seems like a more honest way to just. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Uh, God, it, it, I, I, sorry. I, that I, I, I actually, a wave the... of tiredness hit me there. Oh, sorry, it's it, the dim no, no, lighting it's, here. Uh, it's either that or just a wave of shame, I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> either way, they both make me go to sleep. To, to be completely honest, like, I, I'm, I'm impartial on, like, um, panel shows. I watch them. I enjoy them. They're easy comedy. Um, I probably would be on them, but you'd probably see the worst of me on them mm-hmm. if I was to do them. But yeah. Like I, I say, if you got regular work and you knew that you, you know, that was your you know, your income, then then it'd I've be very never, difficult to turn down. I've ne- Yeah, yeah, totally. And I've never, though I've never watched um, a full episode, I do watch, enjoy watching Bob Mortimer's um, Would I Lie to You, um, you know, start anecdotes. Oh, yes. Yeah, the ridiculous anecdotes at some yeah. times. But I just like watching them. I don't, I've never seen an episode, but I like watching. They're just the he's he such tells, a good storyteller yeah. that yeah. I just think, and and part of me just doesn't want. I'm so pompous and like so that I don't want to get drawn into uh, rehearsed the, comedy and watching them and thinking actually this is really good. Yeah, they, um, yeah. you know, um, which is probably yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes I just fear the man I actually I, I'm trying to avoid the man I actually am you know that's like when I see my the stark uh, reality that you're just yeah. going to be a bachelor in a room yeah, one day watching watching back to back episodes of Would I Lie to You it's the same when I watch my flatmates just watching RuPaul's Drag Race and yeah. I, I kind of sometimes I pause and start chatting yeah. about it and I yeah, think yeah. oh god I am so if I start on that city I'm yeah. like that it's a bit like starting golf you know you'd definitely get into it if you start it and then you would just yeah. become one of those guys that's always on, on a on a golf golf course. Well, I don't play the reason I don't get play again like uh, Xbox or like anything is purely because I, I know yeah. that I just obsess over it and I know that mm. I'd ne- never want to leave it. And um I remember walking past a games workshop one time on the way to the gig, on down the way to a gig and I saw just a group of um, you know, goth or like kind of little kids just playing role like doing a role-playing adventure yeah, yeah. and i 
totally envied them. I just thought, <laughs> look at you in your magical realm. Um, and I thought, Annette, here's me just going to try and win the... You know, win the win some prayers from strangers. By far, who's really happier, me or you if guys? If you really want to make money, Richard, all you have to do is set up a YouTube channel, play video games, and film them. I know. There's a money so pit. Of, so, um, so much weird money thing is, I watch. I, I've got into watching these two guys who listen to rock songs. Yeah, they're, they're kind of from a rap background like a music goggle box they, sort of um, yeah they listen to it, the rock, rock songs and just respond to them yeah and I don't know why I find it really compelling um, <laughs> to watch and that, um, just to see the joy maybe it's just because I'm so jaded that just to see the joy in their eyes you know because they played a sound garden song that I used to yeah. love and, and you can sort of imagine feel, what it would be like to have some energy yeah I just to feel that jo- joy of discovery again and yeah. think god it's so fresh and new I used to play I used to play video games quite a lot I used to play um, EA games specifically but I was really I lost faith in them when I kept hearing them say EA games is in the game it's not in the fucking game because every other year they take something out of the game what, just what, so then they can release what is a new that? feature. What does that mean? EA game? What's that mean? EA Sports oh, is in right. the game. I think that... They, 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 they say it's, in the, like it's, their, it's their opening bit. All it's right. Like, EA Sports, it's in the game. All right. But it's not because they take something out just so they can release a new feature <laughs> in the next one. All right, yeah, yeah. It pisses me off. It's like the time I'm a dead... Was that like football and games? Or? Yeah, stuff like that. Sports games, yeah. I used, to, I used to love football when I was a kid. I can only play games now that require um, a kind of mindless thuggery around the yeah, game's that's controller. Yeah, why, that's why um, smartphones are brilliant. Because but I, you know, I just have to slap all the buttons in unison and... Um, <laughs> Hope so, for the best. Yeah, yeah, so I prefer, yeah. Um, what I, could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I don't really engage in the... Um, the strategic. My brother okay. who used to likes war games and hates watching me because um, he'll say, "Snipe, snipe, just don't, Richard, just take them by surprise, just take, and then I'll just run out from behind a you know a barricade <laughs> and just start, and then I accidentally shoot." Well, by yeah. chance, shoot one, and you say, "I mean, I, I, you did survive, but you didn't deserve to, Richard." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, back off, mate!" Did you ever? Did you ever play like games like GTA and actually drive around like a normal citizen and try and drive properly the, between the lines? I used Grand to in Grand Theft Auto. I'd like getting a tank and just um, <laughs> mental. yeah, going mental. And I just amused me that yeah, just and yeah, just <laughs> yeah. so I just basically yeah, and then yeah. I remember I'm walking down the street and just. Punch I didn't. I, I I like the tank because I I like just running for the tank, getting in the tank because I knew that because uh, if I I wasn't good enough at the game to survive if um if I was just on foot or something yeah, you know yeah. and the, and I got in trouble but if I was in the tank I thought uh, I just had a, a, a giggling come and get me guys yeah. kind of thing in one of the later ones they they introduce like a helicopter and stuff that you can use so you get like your four stars of wanted um basically we're just talking about video games now. comedy's completely gone but it's, it's hilarious it's it, when, what we're talking about is the dangers of an addict uh, an addictive personality exactly, uh, yes, yeah. and who we might really be yeah um, and, what's, very, and what's weird we're getting a little, profound. Bit, a little bit addicted to talking about this uh, uh, yeah this, we're talking uh, about the like essentially what we're, it, what's exposing is that deep down we don't want to we, we probably don't we don't want to be comedians where this is the real us now yeah um but we'll get back to you know what, i might talk about comedy again then. that's all right i might no do you know what i might just sell all this this sound gear and just buy a video camera you can just play games and Google, film it yeah. and put it on youtube and make yeah. millions of pounds just yeah that's yeah. that's um yeah you can do that warhammer I thought I'd be intrigued <laughs> watching some kids playing roller game, role-playing adventures. I just I, got the snappiness of it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, my teacher at school, at the end of each week, at junior school, used to do a role-playing adventure um, okay. in the last session of each, um, every Friday. So, uh, like, what I should got, you do? Dress up as a teacher or a student? He just basically sit as the games master. Oh, okay. And um, we, all, each table of pupils would form a team. And Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, yeah, and I found... So he he kind of got me into the idea of it, and I found it compelling. You know, mm. I mean, I can still remember it all. I can remember um, killing a bird man, and as I and I, I was quite curious. So whilst all all the rest of my team were just saying leave it alone, 
you know, almost like, you know, <laughs> like your mum saying, don't touch it, he'll get it, he'll get an infection. <laughs> um, I said, no, I want to investigate. And anyway, the beak from the bird man I killed got stuck on my hand and started cawing. Oh, God. And um, and as it started cawing, all, lots of other bird men started chasing us and taking oh, out my team. Me. And then my team turned on me in reality. It was quite, <laughs> quite crushing, crushing. I was like, God. And he's been seeing a therapist ever since. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a tough time. Tough time. My friends were leaving me. My mate, my imaginary friends were leaving me. My from imaginary friends were dying in front of me. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Uh, comedy. <laughs> Love it, comedy. Yeah. Last, uh, last option. What? Like, you tried everything else. You tried, it is you tried pretty games. much the last option. It, you just thought, I've... I can't do this, I can't do that. It is your last resort, comedy. Mm. But it is weird, because you do meet people on the circuit who just... Because I think it's more a viable thing. It must be a more viable thing now, because you get courses, like university courses about... About comedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, writing comedy and performing comedy. Did you do any um, courses at all? No, I did did do a course. I did did a course just purely to... um, To to be more self-aware. Well, no, the thing was, I was living in Glasgow, and... um, and I just, That's where you started, wasn't it? No, I didn't start doing comedy in Glasgow, no. but I just got so sick and felt, didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was actually, well, even though I had a well-paid job as a mural painter, but the point is, um, I just, but I, so I thought, I, uh, and my friends were all saying, all saying, try comedy. But I didn't want to try comedy in a place where, because I, I went to watch these nights and I could see, like the acts that just had a group of friends yeah, in the audience, yeah, yeah. just and they're like, like and, again, the echo chamber sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and I just want, I don't want that. I want, uh, if I'm going to do it, I need to, I want to do it like from scratch with nothing, um, yeah, with no one, like in front of strangers. And mm. uh, and it's a small scene in Glasgow, so I also was thinking, like, yeah, everyone really... will know, like, it's hard to get away from all the yeah. people in, like, my friends and that, hard to perform without them knowing. So I decided to try it in London, but in order to but that's quite a big leap so and I again, thought, again London though you, you end up having to get in with the right people to get the good gigs well I didn't and, know anything about it so yeah. I thought the so since I was like to I basically started doing a course on the weekends but um, but I was still living in Glasgow but I was mm. just travelling down to London to do the course um, and uh, um, yeah but that was purely because I thought I don't know it was less I, basically I just thought it's the only way I can I didn't know anything about it so I just thought I needed someone to kind of show me like yeah, guide yeah, me yeah. it wasn't so much yeah. to do with writing it was more to do with just create getting an understanding of how it operates yeah and, of course because yeah. um, yeah. so there, there is a disagreement amongst some comics that some are dead against comedy courses and that they shouldn't bother with them but I can't it can't possibly hurt I think I, I, I think anyone who does them if they're like will probably shed like a lot of what they learn on them and you but they're a kind of via, viable way of just gaining like um the confidence to because they usually end with a performance yeah, and, yeah, yeah and you're performing with a group of people that you've met so you kind of um, feel it's quite supportive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know all ones because I know my friend did one, and um, she she's really funny, but um, she's quite. But he the tutor said you're clearly a quirky act. So what you need to do is like just put a big pair of glasses on and wear your hair in bunches. Mm. And I went to see the showcase, so she's dressed like that. And then she finished. She graduated, like did finish the course, and then just basically abandoned all that and started writing characters. Oh, okay. she, and it was brilliant. Like she was so good, and mm-hmm. um, but she threw away everything she'd learned. But, yeah, but then without again, actually having, of, yeah, yeah, but, but by doing that, she kind of got on stage. So I mean, if that's all, if that's the only thing it does, make you get on yeah. stage, I guess there's a value to it. Yeah, um, because I think it's the most difficult part of doing it is actually finding, yeah, finally yeah. finding the courage to actually do it. Yeah, it's so yeah, and it was nice because when I finished like you just had a little core of friends who were all trying to learn start comedy so we'd all just say oh there's a gig here and we'd all book onto it mm. the same night and it's quite nice just to, it's because you immediately feel supported and yeah, yeah part yeah. of like a little social i, I would kind of love to just i would have loved to have just um hidden in a dark room like this and just emerged ready to go yeah just, no, do you know um, what i mean it, yeah i had some uh, my first gigs with bloody like 
um, like because I did the course, but then obviously what I did on the course, I tried to do on stage, after, yeah, yeah, and it was uh, yeah, and it was awful. Like it just died. And yeah. um, how and did you pick yourself up after like dying on stage? Well, that's sort of the thing because when I was the reason I didn't do it in Glasgow because one the one benefit one thing I took from it was it after I died, which was like up the, my first gig. I did was up the creek and yeah, yeah, cool, uh, yeah, like when they did a first day like open like new material open new act night and um and i just died like totally died and it wasn't even a, it wasn't a tough like it might be a tough room but point is like I, um the actor before me had done well so yeah, it yeah. was like clear that i was awful the um and um uh yeah but when i left i just thought well no one will know who i am no one knows who i am like if i'd been in glasgow i would have just left the club mm. um thinking god i'm gonna see some of these people yeah yeah um, yeah i'll be always gonna be yeah because yeah. i lived next to the stand comedy club so like i lived in that little area oh, so, so i just kept thinking god like because that was the only club i knew in glasgow and I just thought, God, if I die here, I would just be seeing, like, walking past. Because I worked in a, uh, I did mural paint, but I also worked in a local shop yeah, one yeah. day a week. And I just thought, I don't want customers coming in and saying, mate, I saw you the other night, you're awful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bloody awful. Look at you, got a job, though, isn't it? The, um, so I just thought, but when I fit died in London, I just thought, oh, no one knows who it's I so, am. It's so, yeah. it's so, it's so you saturated. just disappear. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and Which in some ways is bad because in some ways if you are really good you you don't want it to be saturated you want to be noticed. Yeah, but. well I think people remember if they enjoyed you but they just forget you if you are unless you are exceptionally bad and yeah. do something so oh, I remember I remember some guys that like people that have done gigs for me and done absolutely awful purely because they were that bad that you yeah. didn't forget them. Yeah. Um, but I I'd, I'd hate that to be I'd hate to especially when you're if you're in a place where you're amongst people that have got a name or other comics that book other places worst thing in the world is dying in front of people that book another gig because they're, oh, right, yeah, they're yeah. seeing the worst of you so <laughs> that <laughs> uh, weird thing at up the creek was because as i left i felt so ashamed like so bad like just not i was all right once i exited the club but leaving the club was kind of like, like walking, walking through, past yeah. the promoters yeah. and i said to another comic about it i said like when you die on stage not only do you stand on stage, but then you have to walk through the audience uh, that, uh, and out the building. It's like the walk, the worst walk of shame yeah, ever. I've yeah. done, yeah, I've done, yeah, it is horrible. It's, yeah, that's the good. Once you're out, once you get beyond it, but it's just waiting for the, as you're walking, just waiting for any feedback. You know, <laughs> I died once at um, the stand. This was when I was getting, like, when I, like, when I said, when I grad, when I did won the award and I didn't, the, my agent just kept booking me into gigs I wasn't yeah, yeah, ready for. Yeah. So I was kind of closing Red Raw in Edinburgh. And I'd never done a 20-minute set before. So, like, I was fucking... Like, it's embarrassing, really. How did, you, um, how did you prepare for that? I basically just got everything I had and stuck it together. and um, Started talking. Yeah, yeah. and um, it was horrible. Like, 18 minutes, I said to the sound guy, and I wasn't doing that well. And uh, 18 minutes, I said to the sound guy, yeah, um is that me? And you went, no, you've still got um, three minutes left. And I thought, oh, fucking throw me a bone here. Yeah, just give me a hand. <laughs> give me a hand. Mate, I'm finished, aren't I? No, you're not. Yeah. And I said to the guy afterwards... Um, I'm just going to stand here in silence. I, in the, when the guy came to pay me, I said, oh, don't pay me for that. And mm. he said, no, it's your money. But he put it down as if it was tainted somehow. And he couldn't... Ex- and <laughs> like he did a witch like, and cursed it. I, yeah, I had to accept it because he didn't want any part in this kind of... Yeah, a monetary no, exchange. And then I said to yeah. him, is there a back door to the building? And <laughs> uh, and I left through this alley um, just because I thought, I can't walk. The good thing about that was, because it was quite steep, but I did then I did Glasgow... And on that one, I just dropped loads of bits and then um, and started writing like whatever I could, just yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. like thinking, God, that doesn't work. Never do that. Um, so just fill it with whatever you can. And then by the time I got to Newcastle, I was quite quietly confident and did quite well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even it, anyway, like I basically it was still a case of me think finishing the sets and thinking I got away with it, you know. Mm. But the Edinburgh one, I was so embarrassed. I just didn't even want to walk through um, walk past anyone because I just thought, God, it's quite compact little club they're standing yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, and the I worst thought, in oh. the world that is. I love talking about it. It's um, really fun to talk about it. Um, I'm gonna just gonna finish up with one more 
one more question really um so you're not going to edinburgh this year what does the next year have in store for you um i don't i've been trying to write i i have this i i really like horror i really want to write an anthology horror whether i write like a kind of portmanteau kind of horror thing yeah, yeah. um because i really like them and um i but whether i write it for me to perform solo um or because i've been writing scripts as well like creepy scripts but this is why i like comedy but i just write them and then i'm like oh where's it going like where am yeah, I, yeah. like i can't afford it not to make it as i want to um so you kind of think so now i'm looking at them and thinking right can i reach can i turn them into monologues and yeah, yeah, try yeah, or course. like comedic monologues and make them into something uh, all the, the, the alternative is i get some actors and just keep write them as scripts for stage but i don't know either one of them <laughs> either way i'm trying to go and try and do a horror because yeah. i like horror yeah. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. But, um, do you want to do though. like a dark comedy sort of horror or? Um, yeah, yeah. I keep the comedy elements comedy it, to yeah. it. Yeah, because um, mm. I yeah I all the I mean my favorite comedy on TV I think has kind of grotesquery and horror in it like the, yeah, yeah. like Lee Gentleman and even like Jam or things you know mm. um, has is quite even Alan Partridge has a kind of. It's best has some kind of horrific kind of um, tragic about tragic yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So I kind of want to do something like well, that. Well, I, I think it's quite interesting because the because a lot of comedy is the shock effect, isn't it? It's leading them into a into a corner and then then doing basically the opposite of what they expect, yeah, and that's that, um, sort of a, the, the kind of construction of a of a, a punchline. So I guess with horror, you're you're playing on that kind of thrilling sort of thing but in a comedic way yeah I think I kind of feel I feel like it's, I don't know I suppose there's not a lot of great horror comic, comedies but um, I think there's, there's, all, there's potential there's a the ones that are done right uh, bloody good you yeah. know like Shaun of the Dead or something so <laughs> um, see if I can do it right I imagine it won't be scary but will just be more macabre um, mm. macabre tales um, <laughs> rather than horror mm. I mean I don't think you're genuinely going to send a chill down someone's neck doing a comedy routine because it's always going to be undermined by the fact that it's comedy you know mm. that, um, that's true yeah well right. thank you so much for joining me Richard it's been great to speak to you and I, I look forward to catching up another one of your gigs yeah I'll see you soon um, yeah well but I'll take a while before I can return to Cambridge yeah, no. Yeah. Come I'm setting up a pro night soon in Cambridge, so you come and do that. I stay, stay away from towns until. Uh, well, um, I always find Cambridge strange, just by the by, because um, they are a polite audience. Yeah, because they, they enjoy the art form of what yeah. you're doing, and may just finish with a clap, and they could have been silent all the way through. Yeah, it's interesting. They're interesting because because but you associate it like it's funny how you sort you expect audiences based on like you know, so when you go to Cambridge, you just think God, these will be such an erudite audience. Like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. And then you get that sometimes you it's, do gigs and you. It's very funny to see your London like new London comics coming to Cambridge for the first time because they've they've only ever done like London gigs and they've been in there because like you say there's echo chamber that they, they, they they're they yeah. hearing it off every single time they go to a gig because the audience is, is is on it you know or their friends and whatnot they come to Cambridge and they're a polite audience and they die in their eyes and they're like Jesus Christ I didn't know comedy was this hard it's, uh, <laughs> it is yeah but come back man come back the, the, oh, your, your stuff will hit your stuff will hit home I'll in Cambridge return. you'll return just um, put me on the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or headline. Uh, mate, you're, you're an amazing comedian. I We absolutely loved it when we saw you perform at Nessie's gig. And um, genuinely great stuff. And, and I'm Cheers, sure. bud. Yeah. All there right. Go. Cool. Well, have, um, a, have a nice afternoon. Thanks, mate. So that was Richard Todd. What an awesome person. A really great comedian. He just absolutely radiates comedy. He's just a very funny guy to hang out with. Um, he's obviously very talented, a great comedian, great illustrator. He's got many strings to his bow. I really look forward to seeing what he does next. Definitely look out for his name on Comedy Bills. He does gig all around the country and hopefully he'll come and perform in Cambridge again. Yeah, just keep an eye out for him. He's, he's certainly um, a brilliant comedian. And I really recommend going to see him wherever you can. Just a quick post amble. Join me again next week for another great conversation with another great comedian, Steve McLean, who is performing at the Cambridge Fringe Festival this year. 
because uh, and also next week there will be a series of short promotional clips from a range of comedians that are all performing at the Cambridge Fringe Festival, which is on Sunday the 26th of May. There's going to be some amazing performances from a range of brilliant comedians. I've spoken to a few of them. Um, full episodes will be released after the festival, but you will get a sneaker preview of them and what their show is about just beforehand. As usual, this show is free, but if you do enjoy the show and want it to keep growing, please do run over to lukeantonycomedy.co.uk forward slash TCO podcast. Hit that donate button and donate whatever you can. There's also a mailing list so you can keep up to date with anything that's going on with the podcast or me as a comedian too. Of course, subscribe, rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. It really does help and maybe even share it with your friends. Just a huge thanks to the sponsor for this episode, number 22 on 22 North Street in Clapham. An awesome restaurant with an amazing, rustic, quirky private dining room downstairs where we recorded this episode. It's like it's like hidden downstairs and what appears to be a bookcase is actually a door to the room. Perfect for a surprise birthday party and an amazing place with great food. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives and mental health? Well, Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member, which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.